Welcome to the Doing Well by Doing Good podcast, where we highlight the startups aiming to be profitable with a purpose. These high-growth startups provide products and services that directly contribute to society from day one and attribute nearly 100% of their revenue to doing good, rather than just a fraction. I'm your host, Anand, and today we're talking to Rohit Gupta, an impact investor and managing partner of Future Communities Capital. Rohit started his career as an engineer and operator helping build the future and transitioned to VC to better drive the next mission-driven companies. In our chat, we explore his foray into investing in healthcare, finance, senior housing, and more. Explore how these portfolio companies balance mission and profit, finding ways to do well by doing good, and end with some advice for listeners. All right. Well, uh, welcome to the show, Rohit. Thank you for being here. Yeah, appreciate the invite. Excited to excited to delve into some deep topics today. Sweet. Well, you know, I thought that we could get started with something very simple, which is, you know, how did you how did Future Communities Capital get started and how did you get here? What is your journey? Right. So, I got into venture because I thought that there was an opportunity to invest in early stage technology. I thought that the companies I look, this was 14 years ago. I was much <laughs> younger with black hair. And it just, it was a very different time in my life, my understanding of innovation and the role of innovation. But I really thought, you know, optimistically, naively, maybe that technology had a role in in shaping the future. And, you know, we could put money to building something that we believed in. And then, you know, how did you, how did you get there? So what, what uh, convinced you to, to start uh, investing? Well, the first deal I did was counsel a genetic testing company that was bought by Myriad Genetics. Mm-hmm. I met them, I met the founders and I was blown away by the technology. And this is kind of like a roundabout way to get into venture capital. Like I, when, I, when I went to school, mm-hmm. um, there was no, I'm going to be a venture capitalist sort of program. It was mm-hmm. just somehow people ended up in this industry. And for me, I, you know, when I went to grad school, I did a lot of genetics work mm-hmm. and Essentially, I knew what it was like to work in a lab all day, running, you know, PCR, uh, manually running PCR, doing a gel, doing all this kind of like routine manual labor. But it was just like mm-hmm. hours and hours and hours. When I met the council team, they're like, yeah, we automated all of that. <laughs> and I was just blown away. I mean, I think their numbers were so council does genetic testing. It's a mm-hmm. pre-pregnancy carrier screen. So it would tell the odds of like my partner and I. Um, of our children having like 140 different Mendelian diseases mm-hmm. right? Just mm-hmm. on off switch genetics um, really t- sort of closed book science, nothing like revolutionary new had been done in the field in decades. Mm-hmm. And so what they figured out is that they could run a whole spectrum of tests for like 500 bucks, right? 140 yeah. diseases, $500 test. Wow. Previous to council, it was, two buckets of the five buckets of blood and $200,000 for the same panel. Jeez. And so I just understood like the scale. I think a lot of folks didn't because they'd never sat there and just, you know, pipette, pipette, pipette for hours. You know? Yeah. It's like sequencing, right? Similar. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was PCR with primers and stuff. So it wasn't like full scale sequencing and just snips, yeah. but uh, yeah. yeah no, but thing. it's like, but that's like the same thing that we're seeing even, even in sequencing, right? Just yeah, for sure. Oh, the price is just decreasing. plummeting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, now this stuff is like, dirt cheap now you have companies that can like print prime primers on demand and like you know in your lab it's crazy wow well i i guess you didn't you didn't expect to be here in 15 years but you know here you are i guess not yeah i mean it was you know i there was always an eye for like how far we can take this but it was never you know the, the goal was never like i'm gonna go build something huge i'm gonna make a ton of money it was just we want to invest in this industry you want to find companies and ideas that are worth funding Mm-hmm. And we just kind of kept it at that. Totally. Yeah, that's really helpful. And one of my next questions was going to be, what is your current funds thesis? And I'm curious also how you got there. Was that, was this council investment sort of the impetus for, for the thesis or was there something else? Right. I mean, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll tackle that backwards. Council, I definitely set the tone for how I, we, everyone kind of considers in investing, right? Mm-hmm. Because our first deal was A, we understood the technology, but B, we understood the, the potential for, for change, right? At least to this day, I've never heard a more outlandish claim than we're going to eliminate inherited genetic disease. Wow. Never. 
It's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Wow. Yeah. Right? That, and they would that, say that's like, what they, that was their claim when, when you first met them. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And, I mean, technology wise, it's there. I mean, yeah. whatever they're doing, they're doing, but it was, it was the wildest thing I've ever heard. They said, look, 10% of pediatric deaths, untold suffering. It's a long tail of like human disability and, and health problems. Like we can do this with technology. It was just blown away. Right. Oh. Like it was the most amazing thing I've ever heard it. And that kind of set the tone is like, that's, that's, we just got it so excited. That's what we want to fund. That's what we want to do. Cool. So then what's, so what's your current funds thesis right. and thesis. how does that, right. how does that, no, that's cool. I, I, I put like three questions in one, <laughs> but what's your current funds thesis? And then what makes this unique in the impact investing space? Future communities capital, we focus on legacy industries. And so okay. we think of government, healthcare, transportation, real estate, uh, logistics, like, mm-hmm. I would say, broadly speaking, it's large markets, very slow, very difficult to innovate. Mm-hmm. That becomes sort of our space that we think we can play in. Specifically, why I think this works for us is that we are a strong value-add firm. And look, I don't want to, not to knock anybody, but I think mm-hmm. if you talk to founders, they'll say like, oh yeah, VCs always say they're value-add. And then as soon as they buy, they wire the money, they're gone. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not a VC's fault. Like most, of, most people in my seat are chasing the next deal. And that's just sort of how their job works. Right. And mm-hmm. over at FCC, we're not running an incubator. It's not an accelerator. It's just mm-hmm. we, we realize that high level introductions through our network can accelerate a company. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yep. and that sounds kind of wishy washy, but sort of a very clear example. And this happens on a weekly basis. A team goes out, builds something for healthcare. Doesn't matter if it's hardware or software, but mm-hmm. then they go and try and sell to a hospital or healthcare system. And just imagine yeah, you're tough. that founder. Yeah, not even tough, but it's impossible, right? You're yeah. a founder. You're yeah. trying to convince a healthcare system, hey, give me your patient lives and data. I mean, who right. would do that? Yeah, unless, I mean, you have to have some prior connect or some connection. Otherwise, it's near impossible to do that. Near impossible. It'll take two years. Yeah. It'll take two years to kind of get through that and get through budget. And that's a, that's a bit, that's a long time for a startup. Right. So it's, it's basically the numbers that we were seeing is that they'd spend somewhere between 100000 and a million dollars for a $50,000 pilot. It just doesn't work from, in most cases. And so we said, you know, we're not, we're very selective on who we can help, but mm-hmm. if we can help them, we think it's just direct, like it's rocket fuel. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really tangible example. So the example you're giving here is like making the right connection to let's say strike that first deal or, yep. you know, get, get kind of the, get the that kind of, yeah, the flywheel, exactly. The flywheel mm-hmm. started. So, okay. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe the, maybe a follow-up question on this uh, around kind of thesis, do you feel that, um, you know, you mentioned a few like government, healthcare, legacy industries, is there any one in particular that you're particularly, you know, deep in, or are you, are you sort of, you, you want to look for any opportunity in these spaces? Yeah, we're, we're pretty general, but I, you know, council kind of set me up as like a healthcare guy. And I'm not, I'm not a healthcare guy, but like so many of those deals cross my desk and it, it kind of builds on itself. Right. So, mm-hmm. oh yeah, we helped a healthcare company and then more healthcare companies inbound. And it's just, it's kind of, this kind of like ecosystem, so to speak, yeah. where um, we just look at a lot of healthcare. Well, that's, uh, that's good. Um, yeah, we love I, it. yeah. And we'll, and we'll get to it in a later part of the episode too, about, you know, certainly I'd love to hear some examples of, of some of these companies, how, how do your portfolio companies sustain growth? And if you can give me maybe an example or a couple of examples, and perhaps healthcare might be the right place where, um, you know, the business model is unique uh, and the company has been able to sustain growth using that business model or maybe evolving it over time. Right. I think, you know, a kind of a longer term example is Akito Labs. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew the founders before they started the company, kind of what they were doing previously. So, I, I mean, they've been, I've been friends with these guys for the better part of a decade. Mm-hmm. And uh, they spun out of USC's digital health lab. Mm-hmm. They went to Y Combinator and they, they figured out this, this space in healthcare for managing data in, a, in sort of a different way, like making actionable data out of like unstructured or like mm-hmm. just basically making the ineffectual valid, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so we've, we've worked with these guys for a long time. And there was, there was a point, um, I want to say four years ago, and I'm, I'm kind of, everything kind of blurred together because of the pandemic, but like three, four years ago, the founder tell me, hey, you know, I, I think I need to go out and raise some capital to go build a sales team. Mm. It's time to go just sell, sell, sell. I said, you know, hold on a second. 
let me see what I can do, right? I knew what they were doing. I knew the problem they were trying to solve. And so we managed to get them a distribution deal with the Milken Institute mm-hmm. that opened up 180 sites overnight right? yeah. for a small company. I mean, the guy, I mean, the guy said, look, dude, <laughs> I need to go raise the money anyways, but now it's, it's for engineers. Like, it's mm-hmm. not sales anymore. It's just, I need to service all these contracts. And that was night and day for them. And I think, yeah. you know, they tell you the same thing that it just got them going to where they are today. And now they're, they're a monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's cool. And what, and, you know, this is where obviously this podcast is about doing well and doing good. So the question I have here is how, how do they sustain that growth? And I, clearly they're doing something positive in the world. Yep. Um, but I think the, the question is, how do they continue that? Because again, you know, it's this flywheel. So you start with a few contracts um, and then, you know, you build, you build a platform. Let's say you got a bunch of engineers, you know, you service the contracts and then you also yep. build a platform based on that. But then how do you kind of continue that growth? So what is, what is sort of, I mean, just using Akito Labs as an example, but you can use another one as well. You know, how do they, how do they continue doing that? Those guys are unique in that they figured out a way to modernize healthcare in a very different way, right? So they're, they're, what they said is like, look, we can, we can we'll ingest data. And they said, you know, we could use data to start getting a predictive analytics. Mm-hmm. They started actually doing a little bit around the fringes of like building Kaiser for vulnerable populations, mm-hmm. right? So managed care. Um, and this is sort of really the lowest, oftentimes the lowest tier of healthcare for people yeah. who are experiencing homelessness yeah. or like people who are on uh, Medicare Advantage. Like there are all mm-hmm. these, population that are kind of overlooked in primary multi-specialty care. Yeah. And so these guys said, you know, we're going to go and figure out how to handle this data, how to improve care. And then we want to go and just go really big and start actually delivering care ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so that's where they are now. It's just, I mean, if you look at it, like, it's kind of like these, they started this little pinpoint of like data and then, mm-hmm. okay, how shall we use the data? And here's how we partner to use the data. And here's how we get more and more. And then finally, it's like, we want to go entirely vertical, right? right. So it's the same mission. I think a lot of folks, I, I, I'm on the board. I speak to a lot of their investors on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And it, they don't, a lot of folks don't get it until they take a step back and say, oh, you know what? It's been a straight hour the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not like a, like a, a Monet or painting. So you have to take a step back and it all comes into focus. This is just like, until you, see the actual rocket ship or an arrow or whatever analogy I'm using at the moment, it, it just looks like they're just, you know, it, it's tough to see it's not mission creep, but it's, it's, yeah. it's entirely aligned. It's incredible what they've done. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. Um, and, and actually, you know, you, you mentioned Akito Labs and, and the example of, you know, they've branched out into a number of things, but yep. it's all along the same mission. That's so, right. you know, staying on this thread of doing well, if you're trying to grow that, right? So let's say you have multiple, and I'd love to stay on the same example. How do they, how do they continue to grow in each one of those aspects? And then maybe in the future, let's say, you know, if there are any conflicts, and like you mentioned, you know, there might be some other other investors on the board. Maybe there's something else. How do you kind of deal or make sure that other investors or other people that are bought in or stakeholders in the company? kind of are on the same page around, you know, how they're making money and their mission. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll answer the second part. Again, I'll answer the second part first. Um, people who invest in this company have really invested in the people, Yeah. right? The founders are awesome. And I think anyone who meets them says, wow, these guys are really incredible what they've built and what they aim to do. Mm-hmm. And so it's buying into that, that sort of makes everybody kind of on the same page. You know, we don't get a lot, I, look, growth and, and revenue growth and user growth solves a lot of problems, like a lot of discussions about what the heck you guys are doing. But um, I think there's a lot of investors. People are mm-hmm. very happy to say like, hey, I'm a part of this company that's building something unique and also going to do really well. And look, the first part of your question about sustaining growth is um, it's all about culture, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They've tackled a number of different things, but through the whole thing, the common thread has been the culture, the DNA, the ethos to the company, like this is who we are, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of led them to a bunch of different stuff. Like, I don't know if I've met a company that is kind of like two steps ahead of the zeitgeist at every single step, right? Mm-hmm. They're always at like, it's amazing. Like previous, like earlier than, so 2020, if you, if you can remember back summer 2020, mm-hmm. we had the BLM, we had protests, we had all this sort of stuff. Late 2019, maybe mid 2019, 
these guys started getting into de- police de-escalation. Mm-hmm. It was wow. the wildest thing ever. There was like, you know, right responders, mm-hmm. you know, especially for people who are experiencing like, you know, traumatic, like mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Said, it is not, we can find a better way of addressing this than just sending out cops. Mm-hmm. And these guys are just so on top of their game. Mm-hmm. They kind of see what's coming down the pipe and they're just building to that. Mm-hmm. It's um, I've, I've never seen anything like it. Like the fact that they were just that far ahead of police issues in this country. Mm-hmm. Quite crazy. Um, that was wild. Maybe zooming out a little bit. How do you determine for any investment? So Akila left me an example. How do you determine how sticky a product or service is that they provide? And how do you evaluate when you look at an investment, like how do you evaluate the business metrics of the portfolio company or the one that you're considering for investment? Uh, and how do you compare that against maybe its social mission? Right. I think the first thing is for, for usually for the stickiness, like I want to actually put my hands on the product. And that, that's not to say we, we will invest pre-product, mm-hmm. but I want to understand exactly what they're building, who they're building it for. Right. So mm-hmm. our last deal was a company called Zenest and mm-hmm. founder is, 20 plus years in senior housing. He was at Apollo. He's a bunch of REITs. He understands senior housing really well. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, the way that senior housing units are rented out makes no sense mm-hmm. either to the family that's renting it or to the housing provider. Mm-hmm. It's expensive. It is opaque. If you've never done it before, and I assume at some point in your life, you rent an apartment, you go on Craigslist or Facebook, or where I'm old, so Craigslist was how we used to do it back in the day. Um, <laughs> You'd go on Craigslist, you'd see a price, you'd say, okay, I want that or I don't want that based on the price. That's kind of initial screen. Mm-hmm. Senior housing is completely opaque. Mm-hmm. It's Here's a community. If you want the pricing, you have to call, schedule an appointment, come in, and then we'll tell you the price. Mm-hmm. And so right, you know, right off the yeah, jump. It's, like, a little bit, it's a little bit scammy, right? That's what it feels like. Because it's, it's like, it totally you know, feels like elderly it. people Two-thirds typically will have, will not be as tech savvy. So it's like, you're right. kind of, or it's their family, or it's or it's like, their family, like, right? And they may not have a lot of, yeah. lot of time, so yeah, totally, okay. Yeah, right. So it it, it kind of screens for like not to throw a surgeon. Two thirds of the people who walk in the door probably are just walking out when they see the price. Either it's too yeah. low, it's too high. You know, yeah. they're just not going to do it. And this guy said, you know, there's a way to sort of. It's not not quite Yelp, but it's mm-hmm. similar, right? It's user generated content. And look, he from. Anybody else says it, I say, you know, I don't know if this is going to work. He's a dude from the industry. And he said, mm-hmm. everybody wants to move to transparent pricing, but nobody wants to be the first to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Totally. There's a way that I can figure this out. And he's absolutely wild. He said, mm-hmm. I'm going to go take an entire market on, make it transparent and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So he flew to Hawaii. There are 51 communities out there. He screened all of them, put them up on his website. And he's like, look, this is how it works. This is what transparent pricing in the market looks like. <laughs> just, you know, to, to say I'm going to put my money where my mouth is went a long way with us. Yeah. You know? totally, I totally. think it's sticky. Like, I don't think people look for senior housing communities as much as like I would move from apartment to apartment, mm-hmm. but it's a big deal. Like it can potentially be like the last years of someone's life. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very big expensive purchase, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, totally. Yep. Yeah, it totally makes sense. So then the stickiness really comes from, you know, understanding the product, seeing how the founder is, seeing how the founder is really tackling it. And if they're really getting their, you know, rolling up their sleeves and actually getting it done and they, they can actually like prove that, that it works. Right. But even before that, right. So yeah. we invested super, we were the first check into this company and yeah. said, you know, a lot of this rides on the fact that he knows this industry as well as anybody. Yeah. Totally. Right. Yeah. It's the, it's the people too. Yeah. And, and his Rolodex is, well, I can call all the heads of these breeds and I can say, hey, this is what I'm doing. You should put your, all of your properties on the platform and they'll yeah. probably do it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's his bet is that they'll jump on board. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, because the industry experience is, goes a long way. Yeah, for sure. It's all trust. Totally. Cool. So then in, in terms of, you know, you could, so maybe this is like a question around when you invest, right? So of course you mm-hmm. can invest in this case you know, before even the product exists, um, you know, people, it's the industry. Uh, but then let's say that you're investing a little bit later. So maybe the company already has business metrics. Um, in those cases, of course you'd look at business metrics, I'm sure, but then what else would you look at? So would you look at, okay, how did the business metrics map to their social mission or are you looking at something else? Yeah. Look, metrics, metrics are important. I think they get more important as 
companies kind of cross series a and series b and then like that's when it's like it's just a numbers game right I, I hesitate to say this but a lot of sort of the early stage when they're pitching me on like these are our numbers our model it's like, i think it's we both sides of the table we know it's kind of bullshit yeah, part of my language, but we, you know, it's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like dating, or it's like, yeah. you know, I know you're lying, you know you're lying, but I'm at least trying to see that that the founder can model their way out of this. Yeah, right. Yeah. They have something. They have something rational argument for why what's going to happen is going to happen. Because yeah. if they come to me like, yeah, in three years we're going to be a unicorn, I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I've yeah. seen that happen, but not too often. Yeah, yeah. Show you know? show me the show me the reasoning. Yeah, like oh, yeah. we're gonna get a thousand users an hour. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay, Good well, luck with that. Yeah, let's see. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah, but I think I think it's a fair point. So what you're saying is that you know for the business metrics prior to Series B, Series A, I mean for the most part, you're okay. I mean they're they're not going to be 100 accurate in the sense that That's like right. the projections are not going to be accurate. But at least super what important. you would be able to do, yeah, it's super important to at least be able to like make an argument for why they might make sense or why it could happen because that kind of gives you a window maybe into the founder or into the way they think. Absolutely. And a lot of it is goal setting, right? Mm -hmm. Saying like, well, we as a team, we, this is what we're trying to do. So we're trying to accomplish. I think the worst thing is like, we're going to build it and then see what happens. Like that's not, that's not a recipe for success in any part of life. You know, there has to be, you know, it, what's measured, you can, you know, what's changed, you know, you, that, that sort of thinking is like, if you don't know what the hell you're looking at, it's never going to go anywhere. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, I think this is a really intriguing conversation. I, I actually wanted to, I touched upon it a little bit before, but you know, in the doing good part, obviously you've touched on a lot of things like Akito Labs and, and a bunch of others where you're helping vulnerable populations. They're meeting some critical needs. And in this case too, the senior living. But I'm wondering, are there conflicts in either the boardroom, and this is obviously something that, you know, you may not be able to speak specifically to, but I'm curious, is there ever a conflict between balancing shareholder value and doing good? And have you ever faced that? And if so, how have you dealt with it? I think that's a much harder problem when companies go public. Yeah. You know, while they're <laughs> private, there are a lot of reasons why being a private company is, is, is fun and nice compared to being a public company. That's one of them. Yeah, it, it, it comes up every now and then, you know, just today, I spoke to a friend of mine, he's, he's on the board of a company and another company wants to, another fund wants to come and invest and they're trying to cycle him off the board. Mm -hmm. Right. I said, yeah. dude, you've been there these guys since day one, like, you know, that business better than anyone. And I, I, like, I'm not advocating that you fight for your board spot, but like, if you're off the board, what does that mean for the company? Yeah right? Like mm -hmm. he's so involved. He's practically a founder at this point because he spends so much time with this. I mean, that's like his, his bait, you know? Yeah. I was like, what happens to this company? Mm -hmm. Where do they, like, you've been a rock for them and you'll probably be involved, but attention, kind of an it'll atrophy, you know? Yeah. Totally, it's inevitable. Totally. For both sides, it's inevitable. For both yeah. sides, right? Yeah. Have, yeah, the founder of new board members to deal with, and new ways of doing things. Um, Exactly. Yeah, that's that's one sort of conflict that we've kind of seen every now and then is more like for, for companies that are still private and even smaller companies are becoming more urgent that who's on the board and what they want to see, you know, mm -hmm. founders pick your board members wisely, you yeah. know, yeah, everybody, so, everybody yeah. seems nice until they write a check. Right. And this is actually my question where it's like, if, if you have a mission, right. And the mission is doing something really positive. You're helping a vulnerable population uh, that you really think you know, needs to be kind of uplifted in some way and you're doing that, but then, you know, maybe some new board member or somebody else is not on the same page. Maybe they're like, Hey, you need to make more money and making more money is in conflict. That's not always the case, but it could be that it's in conflict with that mission is that, you know, that could happen. So I think your point totally is happens. make sure that, you know, you, you choose carefully, right. In terms yeah. of who those people might be. It's really easy to sort of turn on the taps. Mm -hmm. right turn on the taps of like well we need to gen generate revenue we have this population we can monetize in this way it's really easy to do that it is really hard to rebuild trust mm. right and so many of these companies working with vulnerable populations it is really hard to get them to trust in the first place because they've been burned so many times yeah and getting them back once they're gone is i wouldn't want to be in like those shoes man yeah that's a really good point Trust is harder to build. 
in some ways, money is easier to, to gain. It's not obviously easy to build a business, but it's like, it's definitely easier than building trust. Trust takes time and it requires a lot of effort. Yeah. You know, um, one of our portfolio companies is 70 million jobs. Mm -hmm. It's founded by one of the Wolf of Wall Street guys. Mm -hmm. he's, he's, he wasn't in the movie, but uh, <laughs> he's one of the only ones who went to, who's incarcerated. He went to prison. Yeah. And um, he's, Rich is awesome. He's a great founder. Yeah. You know, he came out when he was released and he realized that he was a pariah. And, and look, he's very frank. He's like, I'm an educated white guy and yeah. I'm, I'm radioactive, you know. Yeah. And from that, he made it his life's work to find employment for other people who are formerly incarcerated. Wow. I mean, it's, it's staggering, right? I, I know a little bit about it, but like, I often say, you know, I know this story, but I don't live that life. Yeah. Right. Totally, People totally. formerly incarcerated can't get a job, can't mm. get an apartment, can't get a car loan. Yeah. Right. They just, without a job, like it becomes so hard to maintain and build anything in this country. Yeah. You know, they definitely don't have credit. Totally. You know, the building blocks of American life are just, just cut out for them. And he's very, like, he's very trusted and known in that world. Mm -hmm. And he's very reticent to do anything that might jeopardize his people. Yeah. You know, he's like, these are my people. Mm -hmm. I was one of them. And when I came out, they were still my people and nobody else would touch me. Yeah. Wow. And he's, he's done a lot. Like he's he built, a, he was doing employment. He got into a social network for formerly incarcerated people. Like it's mm -hmm. kind of like being on an island, right? Yeah. Every day, you know, after they're released, they're out in the world, but it's, it's, it's hard to relate. I, I mean, I can't imagine re-entry, yeah. you know, re-entry from being incarcerated. Totally. Being cut off from the world and all of a sudden I'm thrown back into it. Like, what do I do? How does this work? Especially now, like with the way technology moves so fast, like some of these people are going to cut out and like, what's an, what's an iPhone? What's the internet? Yeah. How does this work? Like, yeah. What's TikTok? You know? <laughs> right. And he's like, he's like, look, when we try and find people jobs, they don't have computers. They've yeah. never had to like make a resume online and submit mm -hmm. it. And yeah, there's like these technological barriers that most of us don't think of. And he's like, I need to be in front of all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, so many things that we don't even think about, right? Like, yeah. you know, productivity tools that we use every day and now everybody's starting to use it. Slack. I mean, you know, oh. just getting used to remote work. I mean, even all, all of these things and all of the tools we use, they're things that people learn, but they learn yeah, it yeah. in the workforce. And when you're not in the workforce, for better or for worse, there's there's no, there's not an easy way to learn it. And so I think yep. is in in this seventy million jobs. That's the that's the company you mentioned. Right? Seventy million jobs. Yeah. Yeah. They are they are they helping both provide opportunities, find opportunities, educate them. How how are they helping? Yeah. Look, a lot of it. You're absolutely right. A lot of it comes down to education, right? Mm -hmm. People have to learn how to do these things now. Right. Um, and so they, they work with large employers and they, you know, it's funny. They had their best month ever in February, 2020, <laughs> you know, they were, wow. they were crushing it. And mm -hmm. I, you know, things are back on the upswing. I think yeah. the economy is looking good. Mm -hmm. It's, it, but it's, a, it's a moment for them too, right? Because of the great resignation and all that sort of stuff and how so, that affects their people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they're, they've been growing their social media, their social network. And mm -hmm. it's, it's a fun time, man. It's, it's a crazy time for them that's pretty cool and you know one one question i have is you know just staying on the topic of doing good how do you think that companies like 70 million jobs and you know akio labs and and the senior healthcare uh, or the senior living uh, yep. company how do you think these companies can sustain doing good as they grow and in particular you mentioned this you know going public after that uh, how do you sustain that mission it's a little easier in healthcare, I think, because healthcare, at, at the end of the day, the bottom line is, is helping people who are sick. Mm -hmm. um, it's probably a lot harder for a company that wants to help seniors find homes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I don't. I, what is his game plan? I don't know. He does. Yeah. He know what he's going to be in five years. It's tough. Yeah. Well, you got to focus on the on the here and now for sure. Yeah. Uh, make sure here you stay now, alive like and keep point, growing. Right. At some point, it's going to be okay. Well, I have to take ad money. Yeah, you know, totally. how do you maintain your objective clarity? How do you maintain everything when you're kind of bound to pushing ads? Totally. Yeah. So it's not, it's not an easy decision. I think it's a, it is a good point that you brought up that, you know, certainly certain fields like healthcare might be a little easier, 
even in those, you can have, you know, entrenched incentives. You can have. Oh, um, perverse incentives all over the place in healthcare. Totally. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's no very easy. I mean, for example, like you could say, Hey, like I'm doing this thing and it's working really great, but then, you know, suddenly you're saying, Oh, actually I'm going to start taking money from insurance companies and right. And for better or for worse, maybe the incentives are aligned in such a way where, you know, you're helping the insurance companies, but it's not making it any better for the consumer that can happen. So, yeah, look, Medicare fraud is a huge problem yeah. or just ordering unnecessary tests because somebody else is paying for it. Like all these things, they're right. very real problems. Totally. Yeah. So I think that's, yeah, it's intriguing because this is one thing that certainly we want to explore more in this podcast too, is, you know, really just what type of companies can, can sustain that? Cause it's also fairly, it's not new completely, but it is certainly in the last 10, 15, 20 years, it's become more, more possible for companies to sure. attach like a social mission yep. to, to doing something that is high growth. And yep. it's good. More people are doing it. But the question is, perhaps because it's more recent, it's hard to actually find a lot of examples of companies. Maybe Lyft is one. And certainly you can, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. But, but like, how do you kind of keep that ethos even after you grow super big? Right. I, you know, a lot of companies, it's, it's like you said, it's easier now. Like they can say, well, we're a B Corp. We're, we're actually, right. you know, we can write some of this ESG, DAI, right? We, we, DEI, mm-hmm. we can, yeah. we can say we're, that we're all about those things. And I think for founders today, it's not just lip service. Yeah. Right. Um, and I mean, I'm super excited. Like ventures become more diverse than ever. I think numbers are still not good yeah but people are speaking up about that i think that's a big thing is that people say like hey you know what we need to actually fund more you know pi you know poc and and women and and bipoc and and like there's so many there's so many people founders were missing out on like that happens or we need to have more women actually here alongside us that are investing Mm -hmm. women-led funds or women partners and not just like at the bottom there's one person who's kind of a token i think like the day people are so keyed into that, it's it's great. It's good to see. I think that's that's a net positive. One hundred percent. Yeah, and I think it's it is good to see that you know things are moving in the right direction. I think that doing good is uh, very tough to sustain, but for sure. But it's it's quite interesting because certainly when you look at legacy companies, there's a lot of legacy companies, and when I say legacy, I mean companies that have were started you know more than twenty years ago that are doing a lot of positive work. I mean, you can argue Facebook, yep. Google is doing really positive work in various initiatives, but that's not to say that uh, that's like a replacement for particularly the companies that start. Because I think, again, in the last 20 years, we've had these companies that have been able to connect the social good to the mission and, and to making money, which means now as each incremental step of making more money happens and more of this product or service is created, ideally, incrementally, that much more good is being done. So if that's the case, ideally, you would say, hey, if they keep making more money and keep growing, then you would be doing more good. So I think it's maybe the onus is on these companies that how do you actually sustain that? Whereas, you know, Google and Facebook, they didn't start with that. I mean, they had missions, but they were different missions. They weren't specifically to help a vulnerable population or anything of that sort. It was just, you know, more broader than that. And now they are doing a lot of that work. So I think the question is how do these companies that differ than those legacy companies and what, what is sort of the goal that they have that might be different than what those legacy companies had? Yeah, it's right. It's, I can't imagine how difficult it is. We have tens of thousands of employees to try and like have a, have a moral compass, you know, Mm -hmm. And, totally. and, you know, to that end, even I think companies that do like, it is really hard because there's always somebody saying, why aren't you doing this? Or why aren't you more like there was a, um, there was a thread on hacker news this week about a uh, mm-hmm. name cheap name. Right. You know, they basically said goodbye. If you're in Russia. Right. Hmm. Yeah. And I don't know, if, I, I don't remember one person or several people mm-hmm. who were just kind of like, you should donate all your money you know this and that and it's like dude like they're yeah. doing what they can like yeah it's, it's you know it's yeah they're, i mean they're losing business I, I because imagine. of it too for sure so, and it's it's got to be frustrating right saying you know yeah. i'm trying to be on the right side of this and i'm being proactive ahead of other people 
Yeah. And I'm still getting like static from people, you know, totally, totally. It's, it's not a fun position. To be. It's not an easy position to take that. Yeah. Right. I'm oh, going to, wow. I'm going to lose some business here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to anger some people. I'm going to make their lives more difficult just because it's something that I think is important. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, a I fair can see point. why nobody said that. I don't want to take a moral stance. Why would I do that? You know, yeah. it's, it's really hard to say, I'm going to stick my neck out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as soon as you do, yeah, you inevitably get some flack for something. Yeah. And I think it's a good point that there is, there's no perfect, right? There's, yeah. I think that's the acceptance that we have to have that right. nobody can be perfect. But I think the question that we do, we can ask is, do we feel this company is doing what the market wants it to do? And I think this is the, this is the tough part because on one end you can argue, and I haven't seen the hacker, you know, hacker news, uh, thread but you know let's say that in in this thread you know you certainly have a market people who are saying hey you should do more and that market may well be their customers and then on the other hand you have the market that is their stakeholders the people that you know either the founders the employees the people who have invested in the company who may well be saying something else where hey i'm seeing that you're losing a bunch of money by taking this moral stance right doing anything more would be almost, you know, bad business practice. So um, you kind of have this like back and forth where you have this um, maybe a little bit of a tension between the two. And it's like, how do you balance it? And I think each company has the, should have the freedom to determine that. For sure. Right. It's, it's up to each company to take a stance. I think it's up to us though, as consumers to say like who I choose to do business with based on their stance. Totally. And I also think that there's a constructive way to have that conversation instead of saying, hey, you should do this or you should do that or you're not right. doing enough. It's like, hey, let me talk to you about this. Yeah. You know, let's yeah. let, let me tell you why this my my take on this is important and why I think you can adopt the same stance. Yeah. That just it's just it's so much easier on the ears. It actually gets a message across. And you, I've had that conversation with founders. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I know if I go in there and I get hectic and I'm like, this is not working, this and that, like, yeah, it's tough. But if I say, you know, I think that the bottom line, we can kind of find a way, we'll figure that out eventually. Mm-hmm. But this is an important thing that we can do right now and we should do it, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. And I'll give you a great example. Mm-hmm. We're evaluating a, um, a, a company that basically built your eye exam in something that's a form factor binoculars, mm-hmm. right? So- well. Vision care deserts, it is extremely important. Companies called Planoptica. Founder's great. I've known him for years. Wow. And it's like, you know, there are a lot of people who don't have any vision care, either mm-hmm. because there are no ophthalmologists around them or they cannot afford it. Yeah. Right. And That's then you huge. go down to like homeless people, mm-hmm. people experiencing homelessness. Like, what are, who's, it's not even, it's not even in their like to do list, right? Yeah. Oh, I need to get an eye exam. Like, that yeah. doesn't even occur to them. Yeah. Right. Um, But it could, it could be a significant barrier to doing a lot of stuff. For sure. I was talking to the foundries, like, you know, um, it definitely adds to experiencing dementia when, Mm. if somebody cannot see and vision is how we experience 80, 90% of the world around us Mm -hmm. and they're kind of at risk for dementia. Wow. It shocked me. I was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. You know? Um, and one of the things we're trying to figure out is, well, how do we sort of just get this into people's hands and say, just give eye exams. It takes less than a minute. The hardware is pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, it costs, it costs nothing. And even if we're not, even if we're not comfortable saying we'll give a full prescription mm-hmm. for, for glasses, say, mm-hmm. Hey, based on this, you should go see an optometrist. You should, mm-hmm. that alone is, I think is worth something to somebody. Well, you know? and, and there's a lot of cheap glasses that you can get, you know, even at For Walmart sure. and others that are just like not precise, but they can be even a slightly better. Yeah, and, right. And for, for specifically for homelessness, we're yeah. saying like, okay, you know, Aikido has a street team and they go in yeah. and, and give frontline healthcare to people experiencing homelessness. And we're mm-hmm. saying, you know, for those people, let's just have two or three frames mm-hmm. and a bunch of different lens, you know, prescriptions. Yeah. And just pop in lenses when appropriate. It's not going to be perfect, but it'll get them like something. Yeah. Maybe you know, 60% probably... of the way, 70% of the way, but oh, more than that. I mean, it'll yeah. be really close, but it won't be perfect. Yeah. You know, it won't have the subject. You wear glasses. So, you know, like there's a subjective to like, which is better one or two. 
you right, know they'll, right. they'll keep doing it they, they don't do that yet with the hardware but yeah. like the rest of the thing like it'll get them something mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and the eye exam itself costs like probably close to nothing just hardware so, yeah. and the glasses will cost like five six bucks mm-hmm. like we think we can push the price down even lower and it just is like one of those things like why aren't we doing this across the board mm-hmm. right like children are screened for glasses like most schools most states have programs where kids have to get I think, two vision exams you know mm-hmm. in their life and in, in school right. and there should be you know something around that too like the, this hardware makes so much sense in those in those those situations right it opens it up to a much larger group of people absolutely wow cool um yeah and, and thanks for sharing so many examples of portfolio companies um because i think that's that's the best way to understand mm-hmm. how how does of course fcc but also how do you think about this and how how can you know the audience as well think about the combination of doing well and doing good so i think you know what we always love to end with is a segment on advice for the listeners so okay. what advice would you give to founders aiming to build companies like the ones you're investing in doing well by doing good social enterprises or professionals looking to work for one of those companies Right. Wow. That's, that's, you know, it has to be mission driven. Mm-hmm. You know, these companies are, you meet the founders and they're so into their mission. You know, I fund, I funded a company once because this woman said it is my life's work. And I dug into it. I was like, Oh wow. She, I was like, she's never going to lose. Yeah. She's so like, this is, this is it for her. Yep. Now, I'm not saying that you have to work 80 hours and never sleep and stuff, but it, yeah. if it's something that's like, I'm just here for value extraction totally it, it kind of shines through you know yeah. i've met a lot of companies where it's like yeah we're doing this and that but really we're just here to make money and it's pretty transparent and there are probably people who fund it you yeah know? yeah yeah There's, somebody will fund it somebody but, will fund it yeah it's uh, probably not getting a check out of me totally yeah makes sense so mission driven that that totally makes sense mission driven i've i never have i never will fund a terrible person yeah right for sure it, it doesn't matter about anything else if, if people don't treat other people well it's not worth it to me life is too short and there are too many opportunities that are with better people yeah you know yeah um, this is a it's like the no assholes policy but i, I didn't want to use that i didn't want to use that word i've already i just swear once but uh, yeah, once, i think but, it's okay but you know yeah. but i think in this case it's an okay it's an okay time to use it because i think that like life Using that, and I think we have that at work as well at the startup that I'm at, um, Path AI. But I think that it's it's not even just a employee or culture thing. I think it's like a life thing, right? You are who yeah. you surround yourself with. Absolutely. And I think if you don't want to be that, then why surround yourself with them? So yep. it totally makes sense. Yeah, it's 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 a core part of life for me, right? Like I get to choose, I get to choose who I spend my time with, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm hopefully raising two kids that are in the same vein of like just being good people. And I, I never want them to see the people that I spend time with me like, yeah, dad's friends are not that cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Totally yeah. agree. Awesome. And then for professionals it, it, around the same lines, any, any other advice for them? It's kind of like cast a wide net, mm-hmm. right? Figure out the you know, wide net. What am I interested in? talk to a bunch of companies, understand this world, talk, talk to VCs, right? You find mm-hmm. a VC who's doing something that, that you are personally interested in, you know, like their portfolio companies and talk to them and say, okay, what are these companies actually like? You know, who, how do they work? And what do you look for? And I've done plenty of those sort of calls, but just, um, I'm really good at the 30 minute. I'm going to scare the hell out of you call, um, <laughs> you know, but uh, happy to sort of, give people advice that's not really warranted for their life <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. i'm you know it's hard to sort of condense down like i'm, I'm totally I've, i met a friend of a friend she's mm-hmm. in college I, I live right by by uc berkeley and mm-hmm. she's a sophomore there i met her last week and yeah she, what she wants to do with her life i'm like okay well mm-hmm. let me tell you how to you know you kind of gotta figure out how to reverse engineer this thing totally right yeah if if somebody wants to be an employee is, is that I want to be an employee to eventually be a founder myself mm-hmm. or does I want to be an employee to, you know, be the right hand or I want to be an employee to figure out what it is exactly that, that you know, a given person wants and right. reverse engineer the sucker. You know, the, the other thing I will say is mm-hmm. it is really easy in this world of like 
being mission driven to burn yourself out. Mm-hmm. It is really hard to take care of yourself. Right. You know, right. And as I've sort of crossed the threshold into being over 40 and now like mm-hmm. it's, it's important. I think people are coming out of a two of the weirdest years in human history mm-hmm. and we're all kind of sheepish as to what it looks like on the other side. Like, are we all going back to the way it was in Feb 2020 or is it going to be some right. weird hybrid thing? I mean, Google announced this week, Apple announced today, mm-hmm. work from home's over. Yeah. People are back in the office. Yep. Right. Just, I always tell people, be gentle with yourself. You're your worst critic. Mm-hmm. Every step of the way, people are the hardest on themselves or mm-hmm. they're too light on themselves. It's really hard to judge where I sit based on how I think. Yeah. 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 That's very actionable advice. Yeah. yeah. Look, I'm sure there's a thousand blogs on proactive mental health care. <laughs> right. Um, find, find a bunch of stuff that works, whether it's gratitude journal or whether mm-hmm. it's like, you know, walking, it's meditation practice, it's whatever it is, find yeah. some stuff that really you can bank on because yeah. as you kind of grow into this world, things mm-hmm. don't get less hectic, they get more hectic and the ability to sort of ride the wave becomes more critical. Totally. Yeah, that's very actionable. I'm a big proponent of, of journaling myself. So I think it's a, yeah. but yeah, I think, um, just everything, just whatever I do yeah. on a daily basis. And typically it's also Stream gratitude. Of consciousness stuff or um, it's like, I actually one week ahead of when I journal now. Huh. So what I do is I'll, I'll like talk about the week before on the day that yep. I'm journaling. Um, and then I oh, will wow. have a bunch of like images and videos and I'll be thinking through what happened, but then also think about how I felt about it and then think, and then wherever appropriate, which is in almost every single example, gratitude for, you know, yeah. the fact that I had this opportunity to do this thing. Um, whether good or bad. And of course, there's also the lows. But I think, you know, the idea is that you want to, you want to say even in the low times, there's something that you can be thankful for. And I think that helps you mm. kind of ride the wave. And just, you know, if, if this is if your life goes up and down, right, like a wave, then uh, you can sort of tamp down that wave. Um, the right. more you do this, because then you you realize that, you know, you actually have things better than than you really think. Uh, and I think yeah, that goes sure. to your point about you're your worst critic, right? So I think that's one thing that really helps, at least for me. Yeah, that's absolutely true, right? And and mm-hmm. having gone through a bunch of storms in my life, I can say, oh, when the next one comes, I'm ready for it. Exactly. You know, and it's hard to sort of assess that unless I look at it from a distance, whether it's journaling or reflection or whatever, just saying like, oh, yeah, this is not going to be that bad. I've, I've been down this road before. You exactly. Know? Otherwise, it's just storm after storm and just pandemonium in my brain. And that's not comfortable. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reflection is key. Yeah. Totally. Um, you know, I, I actually give one piece of advice for people like VCs or those in quote unquote power is extend yeah. your network. Right. Yeah. People will come to you and they will. The best thing that you can do for people is open your network to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, it is the stepping stone that people need is how just kids today they don't know what they don't know right Mm -hmm. here well not just kids actually you know there's a lot of people in the world that may not they may be in the workforce for a long time and they may not know what they don't know this is true for all of us we all have things that we don't know right yeah well i'm I'm just saying in terms of networking totally yeah they don't like the first time somebody realizes that they need a network it's probably well past the time they needed one you know in actual (laughs) practice uh, here's here's so i was i was in, in miami for our battle mm-hmm. and not a very typical thing for me but i had a couple startups that were in town and they dragged me out with them and yeah. literally dragged me not not <laughs> kind of being uncomfortable with going <laughs> right to, especially in like december of 21 it was not yeah not for me but you know there's I'll, I'll remember this this kid mm-hmm. it's late and miami stays up till 6 a.m at the clubs and right. i was not out that late because i'm an old man mm-hmm. but um this kid was just approaching people on the street saying, Hey, are you an investor? Just ask him, are you an investor? I want to pitch you my idea. I said, man, I love your hustle, but let me, let me talk to you. Let's, you know, let's have a conversation when you're not goofing at 3 a.m. Yeah. And so I've been talking to him like, this this is how this game works. You know, (laughs) what you're trying to build. Great. I love it. You know, but you got to understand the rules if you're going to play and it's not 3 a.m. His thing was like, yo, man, I see someone, I see a hot car on the street. I just stand outside and I wait for the person to come back to the car and I just pitch him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's amazing. I and mean, for somebody who's like 
essentially locked out of venture capital, right? Yeah. He had no reason anybody would ever talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. Locked out of his company. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to go meet people. Totally. And yeah. he has some success, but it's also like, let me teach you something about how this game works. Mm-hmm. For right or wrong, I, and I could be totally wrong. Yeah. You've got to play by the rules. Yeah. And here's how to like level up and here's how to get it across the finish line. And I will, mm-hmm. I will help you, man. Yeah. You know, ideally you have both, right? You have hustle. You also have the network. I mean, the, yeah. it's, it's never worse to be additive. The hustle is great. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, man, it is, um, those are some of the biggest wins in my career. Mm-hmm. It's just helping people. It, it sounds so corny. And I'm, I'm really, it's almost embarrassed to say, it, but I called, I randomly <laughs> just called that kid one day. Yeah. And he's probably like 25. I think I just called him yes. up one day. He's like, he's like, Hey man, today's my birthday. And you call me and I'm so, I'm just, you know, I'm so honored. Like, he's like <laughs> he, he said, it's the best day of his life. And I'm like, dude, take wow. it easy. We're not even getting started. Yeah. Well, he's only 25. So, you know, but, uh... you know right. But he's just like, dude, I'm, he finally started to recognize I'm, I can't play this game on my own. Totally. You know? yep. I need yep. someone to show me how to do this thing. And like, whether that's me or somebody else, like, He's at least had the door open for him a little bit. Today. I'm going to jam my foot in there and push as hard as I can. Yeah. So extend the network. Extend Love the it. network. Help people out. It's so easy to do and it's incredibly gratifying. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for being on the show and thanks for sharing that advice with everyone. Yeah, man. Anytime. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening in. You can find more information about Future Communities Capital, their portfolio companies, and their mission in the show notes. Is there a company doing well by doing good you think we should talk to? If so, email us at hello at doingwellbydoinggood.co or tweet us at DWDGSF. And for the latest updates about DWDG podcasts and posts, subscribe to our newsletter at dwdg.substack.com or click subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you on the next one.